Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, I'm Grant Wall. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. Our interview guest today is Ian Eyre, the CEO of Nashville SC, formerly was in that position at Liverpool FC. A quick reminder, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review. And we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. Onward! Our guest today is Ian Eyre, the CEO of Nashville SC, which starts its first season in MLS on February 29th when it hosts Atlanta United at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. Ian was also formerly the CEO at Liverpool. Ian, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, thanks for having us. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, the last time we had you on the show was not long after you took this job in Nashville. It was May 2018. 19 months have passed since then. And I'm wondering, how, how would you describe the work that you have done over those 19 months? Um, well, it's been challenging, that's for sure. And, and um, lots of variety, uh, which, had, which was really a big part of the attraction to me. Um, you know, there's only probably a handful of people who get the opportunity to build a whole soccer club from the ground up. And, you know, over that period, it's been it's been incredible, really. And, and you know, kind of three big buckets of activity, you know, people being front office staff and players, infrastructure, you know, stadium, academy, training facility, and then, um, you know, brand, really. So growing the product, whether it's, um, you know, sponsorships or ticketing or merchandise or just pulling all of the constituent parts together and, you know, you're taking all the ingredients to make the cake, really. And um, it's been incredible. It felt like we were pushing this thing uphill for about a year or so. And now it feels like we're chasing it down the hill towards the start line. Yeah, one of the big decisions you guys have made uh, was the one to have Gary Smith as your head coach for MLS. That call was made in March ahead of Smith's second season with the team in the USL. What went into that decision for you guys? Um, well, for myself and, and Mike Jacobs, our GM, you know, I was very open with, with Gary from the outset when I got involved here, which was that you know we would give him a chance to be considered, but but it wouldn't be right or proper not to consider, you know, it's genuinely consider other candidates. So we, we looked across the world of soccer to some degree. And, you know, I, I think what I really liked about Gary and really drew us to, to him in the end was that, you know, I learned and, you know, with Mike's input, who's obviously been around this league that, 
that it's not you know it's not always the case that people transition into the league coaches or players uh, that simply and you know what we had already here in Gary was somebody who's won MLS knows MLS um, you know has worked in markets I've worked in before but also worked in this market so as a kind of broad range of experience and then you know the fact that he was already here was a big positive for me I, I along with Mike, always felt that in the last 12 months or so, the ability to already have your coach in, you know, in the building, albeit managing a, a lower level team in USL, um, to have him around and to be part of the discussion um, around the players that we've subsequently brought to our MLS roster and to, and to get a chance to see him working close close up, you know, to see what time of character is, what how he is with players. Is he capable of having those difficult decisions sometimes with players? Is he collaborative with the with the recruitment group, you know, the GM, assistant GM, chief scout, and all of those things. And, you know, often when we interview people for any job, you know, we, we look at their resume and we consider them against other candidates and, and we have to kind of make a decision based on a, a couple of interviews. And in the case of Gary, he always had an advantage because we got to see him kind of up close and personal. And I was really impressed, um, you know, in the first two years since starting in USL, we made the playoffs in both years. Um, he has a very good rapport with the staff on the soccer side and on the business side. And, and particularly important, he has a really good relationship with the player group but knows how to have you know knows how to have fun with them but also knows how to have the difficult conversations so in the round for me he was he was almost the perfect fit at that point so in terms of your role as ceo i know mike jacobs has a huge role on the soccer side how much are you doing on the soccer side in addition to the business side uh i'd say it's you know it's relatively equal but but I'm, I'm less hands-on day-to-day on the soccer side because I don't need to be um, you know the the way we operate in the business here and, and John Ingram our owner when we first talked uh, wanted me uh, and I wanted also to have complete control of the entire business I, I personally just believe that's crucial to build a cohesive organization that all kind of works together and you know, when I was at Liverpool, um, one of the things that worked really well for us and continues to work well for them was to have a, you know, have a group that works on recruitment rather than one individual making ultimate decisions all the time. And so we're operating a very similar, um, on a very similar basis, where myself, Mike, and Gary, you know, supported by his, by Mike's chief scout. Uh, assistant GM and head of analytics uh, are all kind of looking at at the plan. We're all considering and having feeling, you know, want those guys to feel like they all have a, a voice in the discussion about players, um, and that's working really well. And as I said, we have a really collaborative group, and and you know, I, that's where I get most involved. Um, also, obviously, on the you know the the infrastructure side of things, so looking at what a good training facility, a good academy, and a good structure around those looks like. So I'd say it's probably 60-40 my time between um, between the business and the soccer side. Um, but, but 
you know, keeping my hand in there, um, but very pleased with the great work that Mike's doing and he leads that on a day-to-day business. Gotcha. Um, in terms of players, Nashville has signed one designated player, midfielder Hani Mukhtar, who's coming over in January from Bronby. What can you tell me about him? Well, look, we were, you know, we, we always said from the outset that we we wanted to find players that we thought could really excite in MLS, particularly in the DP area, and and you know find a balance in the in the roster we built between exciting, you know, younger, dynamic um, international players and some, you know, exciting domestic players on the younger side, but then also, you know, balance that out with established domestic players and and players who've been around this league for some time that give us, uh, you know, a mix both on the field and in the locker room um, of stability, but also excitement. And, you know, everybody knows, anybody who knows Gary, Gary builds teams that are very hard to beat. Um, you know, I think we only lost seven games last season in the regular season in USL, and that's very typical of a of a Gary year. And you know, we, what we wanted to add to that, and we did that last year in USL with a different budget, obviously. But we, but you know, we built around that solidity. We built excitement. Hanny brings that I think Danish Player of the Year. You know, really exciting. Um, you know, talk, looking a lot of the analysis we did and considerations around him and other players uh, in that sort of part of the field was really about bringing pace and and ability around the box and a different style to that that we already brought in the case of Daniel Rios and you know others up front. You know, uh, Randall Leal. You know, we think Hanny brings a little bit of a different dimension, and we're you know we're very excited about what we think he can bring, not just to Nashville but to to MLS it, itself. Are you planning on signing any more designated players right now? Uh, it's definitely something we're looking at. Um, you know, we, who knows where we'll end up. Yeah, we certainly have uh, money left in the war chest to do some more business. Um, but without giving the trade secrets away, I would say that we're, you know, with lots of considerations, the guys are traveling often and looking at players on a daily basis and, you know, I was on a. I have a meeting later today with that group, where we'll go through where we are on everyone else and and hopefully make some more decisions. But but certainly plans to bring more to the team. Um, whether they end up being DPs or not is to be seen. You know, as you'll know, you know the biggest challenge in soccer or in any sport is that you know is getting what you really want rather than just getting you know warm bodies. So we we want to find the right players rather than just finding players. When you look at some of the other players on the roster, you've got Dax McCarty, David Akam, Dominic Baji, Brian Bekeles, Daniel Lovitz, others as well. Um, you feel good about this mix so far? Yeah, really good. Um, as I say, I think, you know, I think we did a lot of work. Again, having Mike, Mike was my, I was employee number one for MLS and Mike was employee number two. And that was very um, intentional. Because, you know, I know from from previous roles that, you know, building out the roster, uh, whether it's an existing team or something coming out the ground like this one, you know, that that's probably needs the longest runway. That and in big infrastructure projects take the most time to get right. And so starting our analysis and consideration and building our thoughts around, you know, what we want to look like and what types of players we want started a long way back and 
you know, it's great to see play, the players you described. You know, some of those players were actually on by name on that list all that way back. You know, when we started out, it was like, if this could look how you really wanted it, let's put some names in there. Uh, and we're really pleased that there's at least three or four names in the roster that were on there from day one, literally by name. Um, so, you know, I think we feel very good about that. You mentioned Nashville's majority owner is billionaire John Ingram. Other members of the ownership group include billionaires like the Will family, the Turner family. When it comes to spending money on players, where would you put Nashville on the MLS spectrum from low spending to big spending? I'd say we're in the mid-range. You know, I think uh, I think we'll evaluate that as we go forward year on year. Um, I think we feel comfortable with the budget we have. I think we, you know, it's something I discussed with John, as you would imagine, very early on. Uh, we feel we feel like we've we've got enough to go at. I think you know, looking back across, you know, multiple seasons, the team, you know, the there isn't necessarily a direct color, cor- can't, can't say the word, uh, correlation between significant spending and success. So, you know, it's really about how you spend the money. What we all know is you only get to spend it once. So we've been very thoughtful about that. Um, you know, I'm sure, you know, part of our strategy is that we probably won't spend all our money in this, you know, before the roster compliance. Um, we'll keep a little bit of a war chest so that you know we we open and see how we do and see where we where we're excelling and see where we maybe don't have as much depth um, depending on early parts of the season and then we'll go again in the summer and and I think that speaks volumes about how we're approaching this you know in a in a very considered way rather than just let's go and find thirty players to put on a roster. You open in your first MLS game at home against Atlanta United of all teams. Uh, how big is it to have that that team be the team you play against in your first MLS game at home? I think it's fantastic. You know, I think, um, you know, go big or go home, as they say here. Um, you know, I think, look, they, I, I couldn't, they're probably the team I admire the most in the league in terms of the great work they've done in all areas. Um, I know Darren really well from our time, both in the Premier League. Um, you know, I think they, I, I love the way they've gone about their business and the type of team they've assembled and many of the good things. But at the end of the day, we all know that every season, everyone comes out the box relatively brand new. And what you did the season before often doesn't count for too much in the next season. And you know, we want to build something that that's ready for February 29th that is good enough to take on anyone. So, you know, starting with with Atlanta is brilliant for the supporter and the city's point of view. Big rivalry. Um, you know, I know Darren told me right at the outset when I first got the job, one of his first calls and first comments to me was that we can't wait for you guys to join. You'll be our biggest rivals and. You know what? What a great way to start, and you know we we'll we'll be ready to match up against anyone. And sometimes, you know, it's easier to play bigger, stronger teams at the start when they're all still finding their feet, as it is to pay them further down the further down the schedule. So, um, so looking forward to it, as is everyone in in the organisation. 
Ian, in terms of performance on the field by expansion teams, we've seen Atlanta and LAFC come out of the gates really strong and make the playoffs in their first season. We've also seen teams like Cincinnati finish last season with the worst record in the league. From what you have observed, what do you think are the keys to a promising first season on the field as an MLS expansion team? I think the key is that some of the stuff I just talked about, I think the way you go about assembling your roster, Mm -hmm. um, you know, finding a real balance between, I've learned a lot, you know, around obvious things really for people who are in market around, you know, look at the climate and the weather that you play in, in this league compared to European leagues. And, and, you know, the fact that not all players fit into the, into the MLS straight away or, or indeed ever, I think. So having a real thoughtful approach to the type of players you bring, the mix of experience, you know, players who are seasoned MLS players who can anchor down and, you know, in a type of team that, that we would expect Gary to put together, difficult to beat, strong in midfield, difficult to break down, you know, quality in defence and, and, you know, and then add in, the ability to you know to go and and get your own o- offense from goal, uh, goals from offense, I think being balanced about that rather than just you know filling it full of people who kind of might look good on paper. I think we have at least five or six players in that group already that have really you know shown that they can do it at every level in MLS, and I think that's a really good piece to have. Um, you know, we've said all along, and and our owner said to me, and you know, I asked him when I first met him, what what do you want to achieve here? And he said, look, you know, I don't want to come just to take part. We want to genuinely compete. So there won't be anybody in our locker room or in our uh, football soccer club that's going out there thinking we're just going to do okay and hope we don't embarrass ourselves. That's not an option for us. We're going out, you know, to win games, and we're going out to make, you know our city and our ownership group proud of what we're building. So we've assembled the roster on that basis and we expect to be in the positive expansion club bracket um, rather than anything else. Your team is going to play its first two seasons in the NFL stadium there, but in 2022, your new 30,000-seat soccer stadium is set to open. Where are you right now on that stadium and when is construction set to begin? Yeah, so we're still on target for uh, opening in 2022. Uh, construction has always been planned to commence in earnest in the sort of spring of next year. Um, we just reached uh, 100% design and development stage, which is crucial. So the so the design, as, as it is from a technical point of view, is now locked in. Um, we're in the middle of the process where we develop the construction documents. So I think the next set of those comes in January at 50% and then a few months later 100 so so it's you know it's on track it's not um it's no different to where we've been we're still working to the same opening date um you know opening day of 2022 and there's a lot of work that goes into that as you can imagine and um you know busy looking at all sorts of things like the interiors of lounges and bars for supporters and design and finishes for locker rooms so it's a very real happening project that we're you know involved in every day and every week 
there was a report last week in The Athletic that there were some concerns. Nashville had sold just 5,000 season tickets so far for the 40,000-seat soccer capacity at Nissan Stadium. Was that report accurate? And where are you on season tickets for next season? Uh, The number was inaccurate. Um, I would say we're behind where we expected to be. Uh, Not not overly behind but but behind but i think you know this is a a marathon not a sprint i think it's i think it's wrong and and just not smart to try and predict our outcome at this stage uh, whether it's on season tickets or overall attendance i think that you know always in our plan was that december january february were, were going to be the crucial months for us and so we saw and we know from speaking to other expansion clubs previously that it's the big key events that almost shine the reality light on this thing arriving that make the biggest difference. And when we, for instance, had the expansion draft in December, we saw a over a hundred percent. Sorry, in November, um, we saw over a hundred percent growth in our day-to-day sales on season tickets. So it's so it's heading in the direction we wanted to. We're a little bit behind. Uh, the number's greater, certainly, than the number that was, you know, put out there by somebody to the athletic. Um, but we feel okay about it. You know, we we can definitely do better in that area. Um, Nashville itself, as a city, is renowned for being a kind of late bloomer in terms of buying tickets. You have to remember, there's there's an awful lot of stuff going on in Nashville from sports and music, and and you know, I say we still feel good. Nobody's trying to put fires out or panic in Nashville Soccer Club about where we are. We're, we're very focused on all of the stuff we have going on in December, January and February to achieve you know, our overall objective. And it's also, I think, important to say that, that that whole thing will grow right across the season. And I think the time to, to measure how, what we've achieved in terms of attendances is at the end of 2020, not in December of 2019. Is it possible to put a number right now on the season tickets you've sold and what your goal is for when the season starts? No, I don't think it makes any sense. And the only reason being that people then start to use it as a beacon of where we are. We, we, you know, the only people that need to know where we're up to is us. And um, as I say, we're, we feel comfortable and confident about where we are and where we're headed. So in that regard, um, yeah, all good. If I asked you in your opinion what would success be for nashville in 2020 what would you say um i think it comes in many forms to be honest i think that success on the field i think would be making playoff football uh soccer still have to keep (laughs) you're fine either way you're fine either way i'm trying really hard (laughs) yeah i think success on the field would be making you know postseason playoffs Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, success off the field would be having a good attendance and putting on a great show uh, around our games. Um, you know, we're trying to build an, uh, a whole the whole thing here, right? So we want to we want to make Nashville proud of the team we put on the field. Um, you know, winning plenty of games on the field will be important, particularly at home in a new team. Um, and we want to we want to make you know, Nashville, particularly the people who perhaps aren't as close to soccer right now, we want them to come and see what a great sport it is, what a great experience it is to attend games. 
and you know and how Nashville Soccer Club is putting that together and you know the sum of all those parts would make up for success for me and um, you know I think we definitely are doing well um, in lots of areas that we feel good about and I think we're feeling confident and excited about the ability to achieve success. As we wind up here, I did want to ask you about Liverpool, where you worked until 2017. You had a major role in what we see today with Liverpool as European champions and leaders in the Premier League. How do you feel about what you're seeing there these days? I think it's great. You know, I think it's the it's definitely I feel particularly pleased for all of the people that I worked with there that and now finally seeing the fruits of long labor, you know, and, and I think that's, it's an important point in my job here and the, and the job I was doing there, which is that, you know, these things take time to build into, you know, championship winning organizations. Now, you know, it, it, even building it to win it, if you take Atlanta, an example, they did a fantastic job and came out the gate and had huge success, but to build sustained winning success, it just takes time and it's sometimes it's harder to do that in a big old established business like Liverpool you know it's like driving a super tanker trying to stop that thing or change course or what have you is much harder I, I think there's some brilliant people done some brilliant work there they have a world-class coach in Jurgen um, who I'm a huge admirer of and, and obviously brought to the club and you know they continue to very smartly add um, quality and depth to the squad. I was, I managed to catch the Champions League game yesterday, bits of it. Um, I actually watched the highlights last night, but um, you know, watching that and seeing them rotate out four or five players and still be dominant, and seeing players like Naby Keita come in, who's you know largely not had a lot of minutes, but then be a you know truly great player in that you know, and and with with real natural ability to play at that level and to think that he's on the bench most weeks just shows you the quality they have in depth. Just to finish here, I'm curious to get your sense. How different is what you're doing in Nashville these days compared to what you were doing at Liverpool? You know what? It's very similar and and some people raise their eyebrows at that, but it's sort of the same thing. It's just about scale, right? You know, in, in Nashville, we have 70 staff already at the soccer club at Liverpool had 700 mm. you know in in Nashville we're spending the sort of money you would expect on players in MLS you know and in in Liverpool it was probably you know 10 if not you know 50 times more it but it, but at the same time at the same time it's the work to um scout and recruit and negotiate deals on players is the same just with different numbers um you know, negotiating and presenting and all those good things to partners and other things is the same. The numbers are just different. So it's, I, I think the, the core difference between the two is that this is, as I said before, this is from a blank sheet of paper. So you're able to shape and mold the thing as you best see it with your team. Whereas at Liverpool, it's a very established, um, you know, old school organization and you're really trying to bring it forward um, so that it can continue to compete on a global level so it's really all about scale but it's largely the same job nashville sc starts its first mls season on february 29th when it hosts atlanta united 
Ian Eyre, thanks so much for joining me. Good luck with the season ahead. Grant, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Ian Eyre, as well as producer Harry Swartout, and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review, and we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. See you next time.